friends ben weber here i am on the q train in my morning commute i just stopped by atlantic avenue pacific barclay center now that it's called and it was unbelievably crowded before there was a cute little baby people just kept packing and packing in but there's always a bit of relief at Atlantic Barclay Center. I'm, I'm looking at a lovely bit of subway art right now by Frank Viva. Uh, there's all sorts of folks. Again, it's, it depicts a crowded train in an artful way, perhaps, to make us feel relaxed. Uh, there's uh, woodcut people doing all sorts of things. A little lady in a babushka, man with a hat, people old and young, person with a mustache, a kid with a Batman shirt, a lady with some spectacles, a little kid with flowers, a dog, a tall pregnant woman. Outdoors, there's yellow and red and black cityscape. Another train, very happy train goers. I think it's, it's useful to have this kind of art here just so that we can reframe our morning subway experience. Um, hey, thanks everyone for coming out to Figment and for speaking with me and for getting cozy with me. That was an extraordinary experience. Um, I, I reckoned a lot with myself and my emotions and what exactly Cozy Zone is and can be. Um, I am grateful that, you know, no one seems terribly upset at what I'm doing. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes heavenward. I'm keeping my eyes straight above so that sort of the antisocial behavior of talking to yourself is lessened. Um, oh, let me tell you, so I'm planning on releasing little snippets from my Figment 2015 weekend on Fridays. Um, look for it every Friday. Uh, Perhaps I will also uh, release some of them on Tuesdays. I have a lot of content, literally hours of content. Um, so, yeah, so check it out. You can find it at BenWeberProjects.com. Click on Cozy Zone. You can subscribe on iTunes, Cozy Zone with Ben Weber. You can check me out on, on Twitter, at Cozy Zones. You can check me out on Instagram, at BenWeberProjects. Uh, yeah, so, so definitely stay tuned and check it out. This week, I'm talking to Olivia Harris, another MA in Applied Theater colleague of mine, um, uh, a wonderful human being, um, someone who works in theater. She's a theater director. She directed Nicolette's play, Love and Circus. Uh, she works with youth. She's committed to youth development. She's committed to gender equality and, and justice. Um, and she's just a extremely generous person who I love very much. I have the pleasure of celebrating her and Joe's wedding coming up in, in the fall. I'm terribly excited about that. Um, yeah, we, we haven't gotten a chance to hang out, just her and I, very much. It's usually in a group setting. Um, 
And so this was a, a real treat. She cooked me dinner. She baked me cookies. We hung out at her papazan in her Brooklyn apartment in Clinton Hill. I got to play with her dog, Libby, Liberty Bell. It was super cozy, a super beautiful beginning uh, and preparation for the Figment weekend. So, yeah, everyone, please enjoy this episode. Olivia Harris on the Papazan. This is very strange, this experience for me. Why? Come on up. Come on up, pretty girl. Um, I feel very official. You are official. Water and wine within reach. We didn't get on the air, so I wanted to... We're going now. Oh, yes. I have, I have water and wine within my reach. So I do not. You should... Do you want me to hold while you do that? Well, um, let me just, just, just keep an eye out. Uh, there's that little digital guy that might fall, um, but he didn't. He didn't. Oh, you have, you have your cookies here. J- just in case. Just in case, th- when I set the cozy zone date with you, you promised wine and cookies. At the, well, you promised wine and cookies today, and you asked me what I liked in cookies, and you gave me this extensive list of all, all of these delicious things, raisins and cranberries and chocolate chips and toffee bits, peanut butter. Peanut butter. Peanut butter, pretzels. Yes. And I was like, yes. Yes, please, to everything. <laughs> it was a very sweet and very kind and very generous, um, which you are. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I guess I guess this is... Uh, so I, I just have my wine. My water's over there if I need it. We got our cookies. We have Liberty. Uh, Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. She came to us as Liberty Star, but she is... Um, she is not an exotic dancer in Kentucky anymore, okay. so we changed that to Liberty Bell. Liberty Star. Yeah. Was an exotic dancer. I just... She's... Liberty Star is one of those names that's really hard to carry. It's got a lot in it. I see. And I... Uh, we call her Libby 98% of the time. Libby. For she's Liberty, which is a, an adorable abbreviation, a nickname. She's pretty good. But Doggy she, nickname. She is. She is, she is my four-legged child. And she... um. She did come to us on Memorial Day, so Libby seemed appropriate. Oh, Liberty. Yeah. That is very appropriate. Oh. Well, you look all relaxed. I feel really relaxed. Side. You know, there is there is this this um negotiation that always happens between like is all of the audio equipment ready? Like is my guest feeling comfortable? Are all of the things in place? But then I have to remember that our project here, the project of Cozy Zone, is to chill out yeah. and get cozy. And I am really digging this couch cushion on the <laughs> on the floor. There can be a second or even a third couch cushion Thank on you. the floor. Thank you. I'm I'm really into the single couch cushion right now. I'm probably gonna shift around, which is how I like. Yeah. <sighs> but I, I feel really good. You look like um, a Victorian painting in Thank the best you. way possible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, wh- <laughs> tell me, tell, uh, tell, tell our listeners what, what that looks like from your perspective. So Ben is on his right side. He's kind of propped up on his elbow um, and his legs are kind of halfway, not tucked underneath him, but there's a bend in his knees. And he looks, um, it's th- 
when you have a female body or a body with a lot of curves in it, it's it's the on you lying on your side that accentuates that curve between the hip and the shoulder really nicely. Mm. And he's got his elbow resting on that curve where it exists for men. It's just very, um, very luxurious. He would be at home on a fainting couch somewhere. Amen. Amen <laughs> to you. And you, fair Olivia, <laughs> are high atop your papazon. Yes. Um, which is such a weird word. Do we know the country of origin of papasan? When my mother and I bought this chair at Pier 1 when I was like 11 or 12 years old. Pier 1 has like the <laughs> the lock on papasans, I think. I don't think you can get them anywhere else. I think you're right. They they fed us some European country where papasan chairs were popular. Papasan. It could be Italian? It could be or like Portuguese almost. Could be Portuguese. I don't know how many Zs there are in Portuguese. Wait, is it a yeah, papasan with a Z? Is it a Z? Papa papasan. I th- I think I've seen it spelled papa both ways. Zan. That's my terrible Portuguese impression. It's very uh you know there's a round round vowels and there's nasal and I don't know. I believe you. Well, well, I, I, do I believe myself? (laughs) We are, we are always the hardest to fool. Um, ourselves, ourselves. Yeah. yeah. But I've seen it spelled both ways with a Z and with an S. Yeah. I think I bought it with a Z. Cool. It would have been over 15 years ago. So take that with a grain of salt. So we have an elder Papa son here. I will probably say son or, but I'll try Zan. I'll try both. So you have this and, and Libby, Liberty Bell. Lib- Liberty Bell. Liberu. Nay Star. Maiden name Star. Maiden name Star. Nay Star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nay Star. Um, is nestled in between my legs, which is where she likes to be. She likes to hide her head, hide her face. Um, which is a shame because it's adorable. Yeah, she <laughs> has a beautiful face. She's uh, like a shepherd of some kind, a sheepdog. We were told she is half Australian cattle dog and mm. half beagle. Cattle dog, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, which makes total sense, but on the other hand, we've never paid for the genetic testing. Certainly. So, do you know? So, like, sheep are chill yeah. creatures, right? And can you imagine, like, the dog that would like dog to herd cows needs to be fearless. Yes. Because cows are huge. Yeah, and the hooves and the... Yeah, and there are a lot of them, and, like, to get them in line, like, that's crazy. In Australia, there's all these other crazy things going down. Mm. But beagle, and beagles kill foxes? Rats? Rats? Maybe rats. I think rats, because they're small and low to the ground, although I'm sure they would kill a fox. No, I think rats are right. Um, and Libby definitely has both of those instincts. She really wants to murder all of the squirrels in our neighborhood. I see. Which is totally fine with me. Yeah. And she also wants to herd all of our neighbors. Every time <laughs> we're on a walk and a door opens or someone emerges, she will sit and wait patiently to escort them to where they are going. Oh, God, that is <laughs> awesome and adorable. She's she's pretty good. She's a, she's a pretty good dog. It's been a while since I've been with a dog because uh, there's cats in my life now, and so it's a lot of cats, and it's just a different energy. Like, cats are great, but, like, you know, dogs love fun, you know, yeah. in a way that cats don't, like, or at least a fun that we can understand as human beings. Like, dogs and people have a comparable, yeah, like, uh, interaction or relationship with what fun is. Uh, and cats are just like, why do you like this thing that 
is that you like? Like, why do you like this dangly toy? Why do you like this yarn? Why do you like scratching the couch? Yeah. I don't know. I think both definitely have their place. As someone who grew up primarily with cats, yeah, I did not expect to be a dog person. Oh. But um, she's resting her head on my knee now, and it's just like, I'm a dog person through and through at yeah. this point in my life. I want to play fetch. Yeah. Even if the dog is bad at it, Libby's terrible at fetch. That's okay. Yeah, well, that's not her. She's not a retriever. Yeah, she's not. She's a herder. And yeah, so she's she's more, yeah, like day-to-day logistics. Yeah. Dog breeding. Yeah. Crazy. She's the she's the um, CPA of dog breeds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you're wearing some green frog socks. Yeah, these I was telling Ben before we began. These are uh, my cozy socks. I was actually thinking um, on my way to work today about what I needed to prepare for myself for this cozy day. Uh-huh. And these were the first thing that came to mind. They are fuzzy, bright green socks with stuffed frogs on the front yeah. that make it impossible to wear them with shoes, <laughs> which is their best quality. That's really nice. And they're <laughs> covered in hair, covered in Libby hair, which I empathize with. Like my entire floor in my apartment is just this crunchy, disgusting, like mass of filth of, of cat of hair, cat, hair cat litter, cat food, just cat particulates. It's yeah, disgusting. Uh, but I got a vacuum, and usually, you know, this isn't maybe an embarrassing. Uh, disclosure but nicolette takes care of most of the vacuuming in our household and i have done virtually zero vacuuming but now that she's away i gotta step it up yeah and vacuum yeah so that's i have found in my life that house chores tend to divide themselves up based on interest yeah like yeah joe is the sweeper i will sweep we have beautiful hardwood floors that are were shoddily done right before we moved in, but are gorgeous. They are nice, yeah. Lovely little squares. Yeah. Squares of different direction wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They work. But Joe is the sweeper. Okay. And I am the details. I'm the scrub, the shower, mm-hmm. and the stove. And mm. he's the, like, sweeper, duster. Okay. And it works. That's nice. I like, yeah, I like bathrooms. I like cleaning bathrooms. Mm-hmm. I like doing dishes. Um... Uh, I like sweeping, I suppose. But not vacuuming. Not vacuuming. Yeah, I'd rather sweep. I guess it's the loud noise hmm. that is like, ooh, you can't really like relax when you're vacuuming. Like you can sort of meditate while you're sweeping. There's a shh, 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 shh as opposed to the loud vacuum noise, you know. Huh, Dusting it's, also. It's interesting that you say that because as a young person growing up where my chore was vacuuming, I almost found it like Zen Gardens, like making the perfect lines with the vacuum cleaner. Oh, interesting. And the sound, probably you just, you were tough when you were a kid, so it didn't yeah. bother you. Yeah. It uh, was less loud than my mother's music also. So oh, wow. <laughs> what did she listen to? When my mother got mad at our next door neighbors growing up, she would blast Tied to the Whipping Post as loud as it would go in oh, our speakers. mercy. I don't know that song. Um, it's an excellent song. Okay. Um, she listens to a lot of Hendrix. It okay. is not Hendrix. Okay. Hendrix and Almond Brothers. and But that was on, at, for someone with very sensitive hearing, a very high volume in my life for much of it. Wow. Uh, but so who who is tied to the whipping post? Oh, I'm going to forget and she's going to be mad. That's oh, okay. We can, we can like figure it out later. I, I, yeah. I, I never know about music so well. Yeah. I can, I can like 
hear it in my mind, and I can't tell you who it's by. Oh, that's okay. I can picture the uh, cassette tape that it was on. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, man, Olivia, I have. There's so many. There's so many roads to take. So many roads. So, so you will get this out of the way. Okay. And come back to it. We'll we'll set the groundwork about uh, your partner Joe. Yes. Tell tell us about Joe. I I want to know. I want to know how you guys met. <laughs> um, and but who is he? First of all, uh, my partner Joe, my fiance Joe, is um my live-in lover. Yes. Um, oh. And we're getting married in ninety-nine days today. Oh my God! Congrats! So hundred yesterday. Yeah. Ninety-nine days to the wedding. I that know. is amazing. That's beautiful. Um, it's really exciting. Ha <laughs> um, And he's. Uh, a delightful human being with a lot of sisters and a humongous Catholic family. And um, I met the story I always tell people the like adorable one liner is that I inherited him with an apartment. Oh, um, I went to college with one of his elder sisters. He has three. I'm worried about you getting down and stepping on sound. That's okay. She can. So okay. Libby, Libby is gone. Libby is she, left. She's, the she's run into the night. <laughs> she's run, run. She can only chill for so long before she has to be alone. I understand. I hear that. Um, she's um, she's gonna she's deciding between couch or crate in case you're following. Oh yeah. For those following at home. Um, but so I went to college with one of his elder sisters and um, lived with her best friend. His elder sister's name is Claire, and her best friend is named Victoria. And when Claire was moving out of their railroad apartment in Brooklyn to get her master's in directing at the Royal Scottish Academy of Dramatic Arts, Claire, if that's wrong, I'm sorry, but it's pretty close. Um, Victoria said, well, the only person I'd be comfortable living with in this apartment is Olivia because we've lived in close quarters before. And luckily I was graduating and the grant from my job in Washington, D.C. fell through. So the night before I flew to Israel for birthright, I saw their apartment and I was like, Done! This sounds great. I've heard great things about New York. I'm sure it can work here. Fantastic. Um, so I moved in. I took over his sister's lease. Um, and Joe had been hanging around for a while. The first time I met him, I was he was dating someone else. And I met him with this girl he was in the process of breaking up with. Oof. What, can can you say... what? Where were they in the pro- process? Pretty far. Pretty far along. That um, sucks. Yeah. I mean, that just is a shitty place to be in a relationship. Yeah, and it didn't show off either of their best qualities. Sure. I mean, it doesn't. No. Oh, God. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. And I've never had a chance to speak with her again, so I've never gotten to see her best qualities. I've only gotten to see that, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, Invite invite to the wedding? No. Yeah. That's tough. I, I don't think I would. I. I just asked myself the question in my head, like, would, are there any exes that I would invite to my wedding? And my answer is no. Easily. An easy no. I went back and forth on one, but decided ultimately on no, in part because I think it would be painful for him. And I don't want to, and I know it's not my job to manage his emotions. Right. But if I'm worried about him being in pain, I won't be at my wedding. Oh, God. you, You wouldn't want that yeah you wouldn't want to deal with that because yeah for god's sakes it's your it's your day yeah well it's our day our, our day <laughs> not our but your your day your day one's day well, yeah um yeah 
So uh, that's crazy. So you were you were flying to Israel from D.C. from New York from New York, but you had decided to move to New York. Were there? Were, did you have any prospects of job? You were just like, this is it's time for me to come to New York. So I so there was kind of a prospect of a job. Bond Street Theater had come to my college right before I graduated. And I said, you are, guys are amazing. And they said, well, if you're in New York, we have an internship for you. And I was like, I have this job in D.C., but maybe someday. And then I did the job in D.C. I commuted from Boston to D.C. a couple of times for like two and a half weeks of the summer to do this job because I was based at home while I figured out – I was based at my father's then residence while I figured out what the heck was happening next. Um, and – then I got a call from this wonderful woman who was running this D- company in D.C. And she was like, will you volunteer for us for free? And I thought, no, we like had talked about this being a job and not, obviously not all of my income. But you're asking me to move to a city where I know a total of one person, you know, and none of my family or friends are nearby. So, no, I think maybe I'm going to go elsewhere. And then I saw I was doing a lot of soul searching about where do I go next and then I got this call that was like we have an apartment in Brooklyn for you if you're interested and I the Bond Street Theater being dinged in the back of my mind and I said looks like it's Brooklyn (laughs) Olivia I've been sitting here awed by the sort of uh, interconnectedness of all this because one of the big things I wanted to talk to you about is Bond Street Theater and and now well I mean we're, we're there's there's a lot of we got a lot like we're we're stirring it all up here so we got you moving to New York you meeting Joe mm-hmm. working with Bond Street Theater this is all in sort of the same era and energy swirl which is fascinating and amazing <laughs> what were you doing in D.C. I was um, there's a pro- program there called Voice in Motion Players which doesn't really exist anymore that was doing theater of the oppressed in the two youth prisons in Washington D.C. Oh yeah. Um, so I yeah. was doing that. Cool. Olivia and I uh, are grad school colleagues. Yes. We weren't really in class together. We were not. I don't remember being in class with I you, but I remember so. a lot of time working on the lab and the lab conference, oh, yeah. which was the out of class oh, yeah. co intentional learning yeah. space. The lab. The yeah. lab. Yeah, that was nice. That was serious. The lab. I think you really your energy pushed the lab as far as it has gotten. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I do like organizing things like that. I love school school clubs. Nice. I don't know why. Well, and you found a space, it seems like at your job, at the unnamed theater, mm. at the unnamed educational theater company. You've, Thank um, you. Thank you. You found a way to continue that with various... With our acapella group. Yeah. That I can't say because that'll give away where I work. Yeah. But like with things like that that are yeah. extracurricular, if totally. I can use that word. No, no, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Extracurricular indeed. Yeah, we we gotta we gotta pick that up. You you're a singer? You're a singer. I have You sang. Sung. You sing I heard you sing last weekend beautifully. You did? Where? No, no, you were just singing something. Oh, yeah, maybe. Just regular. <laughs> just just, you know, it was like here's a song. When I got into theater, my sister was doing musicals, and she's nine years older than me, so they always needed a, a small, adorable person. Uh-huh. I was not adorable, but I was small oh, and already please. at rehearsals. So I started singing there, and then I didn't do musical theater after I turned about nine. Can I tell you, so you triggered something for okay. me. Um, so I've, like, I, like it, two, like, last week, I, I've been looking, you know, I've sort of 
trying to do the artist way, right? And they mm-hmm. have different things. And it's like, oh, yeah, do an affirmation. And I'm like, oh, fucking affirmations are stupid. <laughs> and then I, like, find one. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. But, like, a one that, like, I have found, like, within the last week that has sort of been unbelievably helpful. And I'm just sharing this. You don't need to. I'm just putting this out there. Uh, is, like, you know what? You're very handsome, like telling myself that I'm handsome is just like, wow, that makes me feel incredible. And it just makes me wonder, it's like you said, oh, I wasn't adorable, which I doubt, which I <laughs> doubt. Um, and But it's just like thinking about our self, like how we construct our, our notion of self and our desirability and our beauty. Yeah. It, it's it, I think there's a lot of forces in the world that try to not to try and diminish us. And so that we then take on that task ourselves. Yeah, or are afraid of seeming somehow confidence and cockiness are so often, especially when it comes to physical appearance, yeah. are so often conflated. Yeah. And so for me, there's always a big fear of like, can I say this? Will I sound full of myself? Yeah. Well, in the cozy zone, we say it. We say it. We must say it. May I add that I just, what do you, how do you identify like, like, if you were to describe your physical appearance to someone who has never seen you before, this is a tough one. This is a, Ooh. this is a really tough one that uh, I've never, this is, I've never asked anyone this I, on the show. Can I, so you can, can think we, about it. Can we agree that we will both answer this? Yes, question? absolutely. Okay. Oh my God. Yes. Um, Ooh. Uh, well, I could give you like the statistics, like how much I, way and how much I how tall I am wow. and how long my hair is and uh-huh. all these things but I think if I were really to describe myself it, I would like to go more of an impressionist Matisse version right um which is that I run and do yoga regularly and I think my body reflects that mm-hmm. not in a like jacked way but in a like have muscles way mm-hmm I danced my entire life growing up, so I'm in, I tend to be graceful except when I'm dropping things. <laughs> I, I, we all have the dropping things moments of our day. Like, yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I like I want to describe to you my favorite parts of my body. Please, because, please do that. So, like, I right now I'm currently obsessed with my clavicle. Okay, because um, I've always had really big knockers and um they have often obscured my clavicle and i'm at the point where like my clavicle is its own thing and it's really fun to run my hands around it and like feel the shape of a bone in my body that's really fun and cool and it looks good in shirts Mm -hmm. i would agree i would agree (laughs) uh i yeah i'm enjoying your clavicles as well thank you uh the way <laughs> you the way you said <laughs> I've always had big knockers is just like this is this is why this is why I this felt like the reason I exist is like I exist to be alive and to create a podcast that creates a space <laughs> where the phrase I've always had big knockers is now on the record. The thank old- you. <laughs> Please thank thank you for saying so. <laughs> The only fight my sister and I have ever gotten to that was semi-serious is when she was 18 and I was nine and my boobs were bigger than hers. And she 
and I made a joke about her being flat chested, and it's the only time she's actually been mad at me. In wow, my knowledge. good for you, and also amazing. There, <laughs> breasts are a big deal. Yeah. Uh, in in so many ways, I uh, I think. I, well, I don't. Th- I know that I am very much a a breast person. Like a lot of uh, eroticism is generated from uh, female breasts. It like to the not to the exclusion of other things, but like I always like I I'm always looking. Yeah. And like love love it. I love I love them. Yeah, they're round and heavy and fun. Yeah. Like- Ugh. Yes. And sometimes they're not round and not heavy, but they're always fun. Always fun. Always interesting. Always beautiful. Yeah. Uh, just like the shadows, the shadows they create. Uh, I think yeah. I, I wrote about cleavage shadow in my personal statement to college. Like that was like very, it was like, this is important. This is yeah. the, one of the things that I like. Gallatin yeah. School of Individualized Study. <laughs> cleavage shadow. Yeah. Let me in your college. To talk more about cleavage shadow. To talk more about it. And Uh, to maybe see some more. Yeah. I mean, you can't not. Thank God the weather's getting nice. All right. So your clavicles, uh, are there other other parts? Um, So, yeah. I feel like the parts of my body that I like to describe are not the parts. Like, if you were to ask Joe, he would describe me as a busty Jewess, which he has described me multiple times before. This is the best. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm so I'm so grateful for you and the, our cozy zone right now. Yes, I'm grateful. Okay. This is, by the way, the epitome of my cozy zone is like freedom to talk like this. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Busty Jewess, Olivia Harris. <laughs> <laughs> One day, I just hope there's maybe maybe my obituary. <laughs> Um, uh, oh, but, um, so, so I'm mastering, uh, I use that term potentially aspirationally, That's fine. what I'm working on right now in yoga is side crow, front crow got pretty well. Side crow can hold for a couple of breaths. It's hard. Working on it. Crow always is, is always hard. Uh, I love it. And so it's making my hands, it's giving me these veins in my hands and my forearms. Okay. I see I don't know em. if you can see them. I see them. They're bulging. I mean, they're bulging because I'm flexing them right well, now. Well, that's fine. But I find myself fascinated by them, especially I'll be at work and I'll be typing and I'll notice my hands like just looking and feeling strong. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And my hands, I mean, um, I feel like at some point a young poet or a young person with artistic intention always goes through some sort of some sort of creation about their hands, like whether it's a poem or a piece of theater or a monologue. I wrote a monologue about my hands at some point when mm. I was exploring my theatrical career and what it could be um, because they do so much all the time. But like, I'm really enjoying particularly the backs of my hands recently, my clavicle and the backs of my hands. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. I'm mad at my feet right now, but everything else is good. Okay. What's going on? Ah, uh, they're just, I keep um I keep hurting them and when I'm a runner then I run on hurt feet and then oh. it's so it's they're they're just a source of pain yeah. and like shame or not shame but maybe shame no definitely that, like you shame. can't go running as awesome as you want to yeah 
and that I stupidly tried to wear those sandals that don't fit me, and then I gave myself huge blisters, and mm. now it hurts to run. Oh, man. That's shame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a shame. That is a shame. Um, I guess I owe you some some uh, quid pro quo, as it were. For those of you who can't see, I was just nodding eagerly. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm a dark, medium, a medium-sized man. Um, I, uh, I, I am, I am, uh, I guess, uh, lithe. I'm kind of, I've like, my physique is like strangely, mysteriously taut. Like I have, I like, I don't, I don't do, I mean, I walk around, I like lug shit, you know, I go to the gym not very often. I, I don't like it. I, I am aspirationally striving to, you know, build more of a gym going practice, mm-hmm. you know, pumping iron, getting huge as it were. Uh, the rock would tell you, you were clanging and banging and clanging and banging. Clanging and banging. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's what I'm doing at the gym. Well, if you're pumping iron. Oh, I'm clanging, clanging and banging. and banging. The rock would say that. Yes. I love the rock. The so, rock got up at 4am clanging and banging. Clanging and banging. Are you a wrestling fan? Joe is. Joe is. Got it. Um, I I will not see San Andreas. I have no interest. And I don't want to see that new HBO show he's in, but I love, I love Dwayne Johnson. I don't look like him. I guess, uh, <laughs> Celebrity doppelgangers, doppel doppelgangers that uh, I've been told Adam Goldberg, um, I can see that. Uh, a young a young Al Pacino. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that's good. Mm-hmm. In like it, when I had a beard, it sort of looked like a Serpico Al Pacino. Um. Uh, I got a I got a prominent nose. Uh, uh, I scrunch up my nose when I laugh. Um. The parts of my body that I'm most proud of, God, I'm my butt, I guess. I get a lot of, it's a lot of like external uh, validation that, that makes these things happen. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I'm I'm striving to love myself more, right? There's not a, I, I, there is a lack of self-love. Well, you are very handsome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um... Got a good butt. I my stomach is okay. Like it's like I got a, some some abage. Even even without going to the gym, there's like some abage going on. Nice. A little bit. Yeah. Not not too shabby. Libby approved. I don't know if you heard her. I she did. Approved. <laughs> Thank you, Libby. Yeah. Just hanging out with some ladies. <laughs> um. Oh God. Uh. Yeah. I'm I'm happy. I like have sort of found a haircut that's working for me. I think sort of like. Uh, swooping a lot of doing a daily product you know sort of upkeep part on the side sort of it used to be like a peaky blinders inspired like close buzz fade on the sides and like long and updo in the front yeah i'm like i'm five seven i like this is actually i i don't know did you listen to the reina episode yeah so like part of this exercise is is very important to like you know manage expectations of an audience when they see you on stage it's like hey look I'm like a young Al Pacino hey look at this <laughs> look at this face um and like I, it's hard to do like and yeah. it, it's like hard to look in a mirror and be like oh jesus 
Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I have like, I have like reasonably sized and shaped genitals, which I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with this. I don't need, I don't like, I'm not concerned about like the penis enlarging ads that they have on the radio, or uh, not the radio. When I say radio, I mean internet porn sites. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, could you uh, could you switch on the radio? <laughs> uh, I, I like to listen to the radio on the in the car. You know, that sounds dangerous. Internet porn sites sounds, in the car. It sounds dangerous. It might be dangerous. Yeah, I can't. I have a lot of like screen magnetism too. Like if I'm in a bar yeah. where a TV's on, I'm just like I cannot help but look at it. I don't yeah. want to look at it at all, and I don't care. But it's bright colors and it's moving. I know. I have the same thing. It's horrible. Um. Can I tell you about my genitals conversation today? Yep. Okay, sorry. Nope. Um, Don't be sorry, please. What you just said reminded me. Um, so we have a teen health team at mm-hmm. the nonprofit where I work. Mm-hmm. And um, they were around today because it's a health person's last day. And so they were coming to say goodbye. And um, we were talking about a training that I went to earlier this week. Like their very closed training that I was invited to because they know I'm interested in the sex and sexuality and gender education that they do. And um, she was telling me, this teen health educator was telling me about how the trainer likes to say, there's no, like, average penis. Like, you never need to worry about that. And I stopped her dead in her tracks and I said, mathematically, he's wrong. Mathematically, there is an average penis. There is. And it's not. That's what an average is. That's what an average is. And it's important. I feel like, when, especially when you're talking about acceptance of the body, it's important to understand reality averages and still have a message of self-love which is such a hard balance to strike yeah but like it's important i feel like for our young men there is already lore in their lives about what an average penis is so why don't we just cut through the lore and tell them the actual average yeah statistics yeah yeah and, and then help them come to terms not i don't need to like see anything or talk openly about in specifics about anything, but like help them come to terms with loving what they got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- yeah. I hear you. It, it's probably a good idea not to see anything yeah. to keep it, keep it wrapped. Yeah. I could get fired very quickly yes. as I should be. Yes. Um, what is the average? What, what do you, so that's my question. It's been my question since the day I believe since that day. Yeah. It was, because I have a number in my head. What's the number in your head? You, uh, you go first because you work. Do you want to say it at the same time? For an, no. Oh, no. All right. Well, um, I, last time I looked it up, I think it was... Uh, I'm going to be wrong. Just say it. Just I'm say the number wrong. that it's in your head. But f- five, five, five and a half is the last thing I saw. Interesting. Interesting. What was your number? Mine is six. Yeah. Mine is six. So we're in a similar vein. And also mine is six. Oh yeah! Look at you, right on the right on right average, me perfectly average. And pun intended. Uh, yes, yes, pun intended. Um, and so you know, yeah, I don't know. Um, there, I mean, it's I don't know what it is. Like at first, I have been lucky that that is not something. Like I think about it sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be nice to like be hung like a horse or a a giant penis porn star maybe maybe but like it's also fine like it's i 
never has seemed to be a problem. You know, no one's ever, I haven't like had any complaints. You can also probably ride a bicycle more comfortably than a horse. I can. That's a whole skeletal problem though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I think like, I don't think it matters. I, I know like, I hear a lot of people, I've heard people talk about, young people talking about size mattering. I don't know. Like, it just seems like there are so many ways to have sex, even, like, just in the world, like an infinite number. Yes. That, like, it's it really doesn't make any difference. I think... This is this is my anecdotal thought, which is I think size matters when you don't yet understand what you want and how to give a partner what they want. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like right. I hear what you're saying. In a way, it's the just it's the kind of like the brute force model, right? right? Like there's no nuance. If if sex were a war, it's not the like stratagem. Yeah, I don't like that metaphor. I'm I'm, I'm waiting for it. We'll we'll play with sex as war metaphor for a moment i don't like the metaphor but here's that's where my brain went so like there's no strategy it's not subtle or nuanced or thoughtful it's the kind of brute force model Mm -hmm. right and i feel like that's when size matters the most kind of like size of an army if you're going to do brute force on brute force who's got the bigger army is winning right but sex is not a war and when you have a more nuanced understanding I've used that word multiple times. When you have an understanding of like how to ask for what a partner wants, ask for what you want, and give it whether or not it involves your anatomy or whatever part of your anatomy it Mm -hmm. involves, Mm -hmm. size begins to matter so much less to not at all. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a complaint about the size of anything since I started to understand how to have sex in a way that was actually fulfilling and not just the way that I thought you should have sex. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's really great. And it's also like the it there's also so much like mythology and poetry in sex. Like I feel like uh, this is I'm just going to say this. It's very Mm -hmm. embarrassing. Uh, Not for the reasons you think. So my buddy Tim and I. I don't even know how many years ago. Many years ago. Maybe seven years ago in 2009. No, six years ago. Mm, yes, six years ago, two thousand nine. Did like a two man stand up act at like a bar for one night. Like it, it was, yeah, like we it was okay. And like one of the weird bits was about like ah, oh, like I was I'm so bad at dirty talk. Like I, I it wasn't even like a real bit, but it was just like. Oh, I, I don't know. That that was it. Like there was sort of stammering around like uh, the premise is I'm bad at dirty talk. And I was like that was true, but I didn't really know how to talk about it. And now I, there might be a way to talk about it better because it's becoming better. It, it is becoming a, a, a large part of my relationship with Nicolette in our in our world. And it seems to me that there is you can say you can sort of create a uh, a world a fantasy in which like you can you like if you want a cock to be huge yeah. both of you can say like all right so yeah so we're just going to agree 
that like this cock here is huge for the next like few moments and this huge cock is going to yeah. be doing the very these various things um yeah. that both of us are agreeing upon but it doesn't you know it's average ultimately it doesn't like you know in in reality it's like yeah it's this it's just regular the regular thing that it always is but in in the rhetoric in the in yeah. the discourse in the fantasy in the fantasy it becomes whatever yeah enormous and hard and conquering and subtle yeah a mixture of, that's a mixture of improvisation and yeah it's got a lot of yes and a lot it. of yes and yeah yeah I also like that because of how much consent is in there and the right. consensual whatever the consensual fantasy and reality you're building with a partner if yeah you're, if you're yes anding each other you're building it together yeah oh man that is awesome improv as good sex practice yeah putting it in my back pocket is that the name of the college class <laughs> <laughs> an exploration of human sexuality put it in your back pocket <laughs> <laughs> it is now no unfortunately it's got a really overwhelming academic name so so you you get back to new york fresh <laughs> from israel yes and you're in this uh, brooklyn apartment yes and Joe's sister is no longer living there because you're living there. Right. She moved to Scotland. Okay. T to go to, to uh, Scottish Joe's Academy of Directing Good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is that, I think that's what you said earlier. Yeah. I'm sorry if that's not the right name. Yeah, but you got to try that. Scottish Joe's. I can't uh, do Scotty, Scottish Joe. Oh, I'm, I'm, that was, I'm not in the mood. That was a little Liverpudlian. Oof. Sorry, Beatles. Um... <laughs> So you're in this railroad apartment. Mm -hmm. Where where do we where do we meet our our Joe? Um, so Joe was hanging out a couple of times post. Um, I don't I don't know if he would describe it as traumatic, but post breakup with this person. Um, we can we can we can posit that breaking up is always hard. Ugh, it's hard to do. Breaking up is hard to do. Um. He hung out a couple of times. We made yakisoba. Mm. Um, we watched an entire season of The Walking Dead together. Wow. Um, this was, you were not together. We were not together. We were just hanging out, him and myself and Victoria, Claire's best friend. And what we didn't know was that Claire and Victoria were, were conniving, where they were in cahoots, because they were saying, you know, Joe needs a lady and Olivia seems like a nice lady and maybe Olivia and Joe should get along. Because they also knew my ex at the time who was fairly recent ex and which was quite traumatic um what happened uh, in or you know what what happened was we had been off and on for quite a while and okay. hadn't been monogamous for any part of it and then he told me he wanted something and three weeks later decided that wasn't what he wanted but in the meantime i had crafted what i thought our relationship was going to be based around what he had been telling me he wanted huh it was just, it was so, just really hard. It sounds complicated, and uh, it sounds sounds that sounds very stressful. It was very stressful. It was very like, it was in the middle of all of these other changes in my life. It was while I was moving. It was right after I was graduating. It was all of these things oh. that were emotionally in my life coming to a head, and it was like the straw that broke the camel's back and just opened up a floodgate of mourning in my life for all of the change. Right. Oof. Oof. Yeah, 
Um, so that was not fun. But um, then the night of Victoria's birthday, so Victoria and Claire had been, I think it started as a joke or whatever. Um, and they will tell me if I'm correct. They're definitely taking credit around this wedding. Well, they're both taking full credit. Um, and on the night of Victoria's birthday party, stupid Joe was bicycling around drunk in Converse sneakers in January. And his feet were freezing. Oh. Um, but we were, you know, talking and hanging out. We kind of knew each other. Um, and he was staying in our apartment because he was not going to bicycle back to Queens wasted. No. Oh, at the time, I think he lived in Southern Brooklyn. He was not going to bicycle, you Wherever, know, a couple of miles. distance. And where was this apartment? It was in Williamsburg. Oh, where? East, well, it was called East Williamsburg okay. at the time. It was off the Graham Ave stop oh. on the L. Oh, where? Um, Kings, Kings. Kingsland. Kingsland. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah, it's great over there. It was awesome. The um, bodega next door was the bodega on Kingsland that turned out to be a crack running operation and was shut down by the police. But we didn't know that. Oops. Oops. Yeah. But on the other hand, I don't think I ever ate anything that wasn't a bag of chips from that bodega. So I feel pretty okay. I mean, they probably aren't. They're trying not to mix the crack in. Yeah. With like the other stuff. Yeah. I think that like if I was running a crack business, I wouldn't be like, huh. <laughs> Chopped cheese, extra crack. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Chopped cheese? Yeah, that's what that the sandwich you get at a at a bodega is called a chopped cheese. What is that? A be- grilled like cheese? A, no, it's cause like a cut up cheeseburger kind of. It's how it's been explained to me. What I've, I've never, never eaten it. I've never heard that. All of my kids, I work, so I work with young chopped people at this cheese. nonprofit. Uh-huh. They all call it a chopped cheese. And it looks like everything. Some of it looks just like a turkey sandwich. And some of it looks like kind of ground up hamburger. I'm not sure it means one thing. I think it just means kind of like bodega deli sandwich. Gross. Yeah. That's super gross. Ugh. Chopped cheese. But it's fun to say. Chopped I think it would be a really good like name for a rapper. Yeah. Chopped cheese. I like want to chant it. Chopped yeah. cheese, chop, chop, chop it cheese. The, the new Drake album drop featuring chopped cheese <laughs> and cool in the gang. <laughs> you going to Governor's Ball? I am not, but I have friends going. Nice. Are you going? I'm not going. Mm. I have friends going. I've never, I have no desire. I don't, I'm not, just isn't what I like. It's a strange lineup. I'd like, it's an exciting lineup, but it's kind of strange. Yeah. I don't care. I don't know. I don't know the lineup. There's like, Drake's there. I, I guess that's why I thought of it. Drake and like my morning jacket and Florence and the machine, just like kind of everybody who's popular. Good for them. Yeah. Great. It's fun. Okay. So Joe's in Converse. It's January. You're on Kingsland. His feet are icy. And I learned this because drunk Olivia has gone to bed and drunk Joe is going to sleep on the couch, except that Victoria's friends from New Jersey are asleep on the couch. And um, so Victoria says, Joe, go knock on Olivia's door and ask to sleep in her bed, which she did. And I was like, sure, because yeah, you have nowhere else to sleep. It's yeah. like my bed or the floor. Right. And um, I've been at one point in my life, I was a very mean person who made somebody sleep on the floor instead of in my bed. Oops. And so um, I was kind of doing, I figured, you know, a little bit of penance. It's a nice thing to do. It's a mitzvah. Um, and we ended up like talking for hours and that's really the night we got together. That's awesome. His feet were so goddamn cold. Are they better? Like, has he warmed, has he cleaned up his act? Has he warmed up those tootsies? He, I, um, 
he buys big what I call big boy shoes now. Okay. Like he does not wear Converse in okay. the wintertime. Okay. Um, but like, because uh, I know it's it can be like a chronic problem. Like uh, Nicolette has cold feet, for example. Yeah. I I have cold feet actually. Yeah. I have like very like my feet are cold right now. Do you want socks? I'm wearing socks. Okay. Well, if you want additional socks. No, no. I I no. I, yeah, cold extremities are definitely a problem, and we both kind of have cold extremities, yeah. but. <clears throat> He, that was not a like circulation issue. Right, that was right. A, like literally, the outside has yeah has uh, forced itself inside yeah, his he, feet. He had been standing on ice in canvas for hours. Ugh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's so nice. That sounds nice. Talking for hours. Yeah, it was nice. That sounds nice. And then, so then what? Then. So then. We started dating, mm-hmm. um, which started very slow, um, and we dated for a while, and he moved around in his apartment from big rooms to smaller rooms, and um, just at one point, I, oh, <laughs> I'm very mean, at one point, um, he was supposed to come over, we were supposed to have a date, and I decided that this was the day that I was going to talk to him about monogamy polyamory what are you interested in like we've never had a conversation or defined this and i feel like i need to have that conversation so this is the day and he had been he was hung over because he'd been out with his friends the night before this is not painting a very nice picture of joe he's a delightful human being i think it is i i think i i'm super charmed <laughs> like and i i don't know if it's my own projection but i also like i understand I understand your feeling, but I don't think it's coming across that way. Okay. Jo- I mean, we're sitting in your apartment right now yes. that you two build together. You guys are getting married. Yeah. Um. He, you know, he's a he's a stand up guy. He he wants justice in the world. He does. He works for a union. Yeah. He is very passionate about justice and fairness and class. Yeah. He's awesome. No, he's a he's a cool dude. Uh, but you know, yes. you, you don't. You, it, the journey is getting to know that with someone else, and here you are, early. You know, you're early on. You're getting to know Joe journey. Yeah. So okay, so you're having this very, <laughs> very stressful conversation. Except it was more stressful because I um, I do this thing where once the train is on the track, it's hard for me to stop it. So he called me to apologize. I'm hungover. I really can't come over and hang apologize. out. Apologize. Uh, to apologize and say, I'm hungover. I can't come. I'm uh, so sorry. We're not going to see each other got today. It, got it, got it, got and it. I was like, oh, that's fine. I totally understand. Feel better. By the way, let's have this conversation about what you want out of this relationship. Oh, my God. And, um, and we had it. And oh. we discussed what we both wanted. Oh. And then I walked out of my room and Victoria looks at me and goes, did you just do that to him? And I was like, oh, I guess I did. That oh was God. incredibly unfair. Oof. Um, because the tra- in my mind the train was on the track and I just um, shit. You were gonna have that conversation on your date. Yeah. Right. But you were just like, well, well, we're not gonna have the date, but we could still have the conversation. Oh, Jesus, I would have fruck out. I mean, to Joe's credit, he like suffered through it and had an abbreviated version of the conversation. I didn't make him, it was maybe 10 minutes long at yeah. most. Yeah, but that can be an intense, that's a serious 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Luckily, as with many things in our lives, we tended to agree. And so most of it was just making sure that we agreed on what we wanted out of it. Do you identify as polyamorous? No, we do not. Uh, yeah. 
um, I feel strongly about being open to that and checking in regularly about that. Yeah. But at this point, it's not something I'm not having those. I have been polyamorous in the past and I'm not having those impulses. Right? Impulses is the wrong word. I'm not feeling that right now. Yeah. Totally cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a uh, it's it's a thing. It is a thing. I, I I think uh, I suppose I would well I I would identify as being in a polyamorous relationship. Um, but you know, uh, I you know, I, I I think for me th- this has changed. But here we are. Um, I am I'm working so hard on like figuring out myself mm-hmm. and like wading through all of my own darkness. And like enjoying that Nicolette is someone that I can be open to, but it's hard. It's hard to feel like I want to put myself out there and date others. It is hard. Yeah. Um, and Nicolette is dating others, and it, it doesn't seem as hard for her, which is fine. Um, but you know, it's definitely like, oh, it's it's, it's uh, creates tension maybe or dissonance but we we work on it within yourself between you two both neither something else main uh, i think both i think within myself and between us i would think yeah but you know we talk about it yeah but it you know it's still hard but what um what has been your experience in the past with polyamory? Um, I didn't do it very well. And when I started to figure it out and do it well is when I realized that it was more challenging than I had anticipated. I got to tell you, it is it is challenging. And yeah. I would not say I mean, I would not say that I have done it particularly well uh, sort of outside of my primary partnership I at least that's how I feel that's that's just sort of where I'm at I I I am I am it is aspirational to think that like I am doing it well or like anyway hmm. what wasn't going well I I like kind of want to challenge that but I don't want to challenge your experience part what I say what I mean when I say I wasn't doing it well is that we weren't communicating we had a bunch of kind of understandings with each other that had my primary partner and I had a couple of very abbreviated conversations and then there was just this understanding this like unsaid understanding unwritten rules about what happens and what happened was when we were in the same city we were pretty together um but when we weren't in the same city pretty much anything you could do whatever you wanted including finding other partners or finding single sexual encounters Mm -hmm. or whatever um and that was when it kind of got easier because it started when we were on the same campus and the same rule applied basically if we're together for a night we're together and that's our night together and when we're not at a night together anything goes and but the problem is these conversations weren't happening but once right so what i say when i say i didn't do it well is that like i was very unhappy in it because we weren't actually communicating about what it was supposed to be or could be. Right. So there wasn't there wasn't a large amount of communication in your primary partnership. Yeah. Right. 
And for me, there is that communication in my primary partnership, but I'm not in any sort of secondary thing. I haven't been total. I haven't been as awesome as I hope I can be uh, in the future. And that's, uh, I think that's the thing about all relationships, but especially relationships that are not monogamous is it's always about getting better because it's always, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's tough. It's super tough. Uh, Libby is currently my. This is my secondary partner yeah. in a way, not sexual, but just life. No, life. well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. You don't. You know, there is a lot of uh, stuff that you. You know, a lot of emotional intimacy that you have with Libby. I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't let anybody else sniff my socks. Oh. <laughs> not even Joe. Well, Joe's never asked. No. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Ah, oh, boys. All right. So, yeah. So that I think that I feel good about knowing your your and Joe's origin story. <laughs> Thank you. At some point, I would love to hear. I was around for part of your and Nicolette's origin. Oh yeah. Um, but I I think I I I stumbled in on it at a time when it wasn't a public. Oh, thing. nice. What how, what is what did that look like from your perspective? There were a bunch of people sitting in the kind of common space. In oh. the MA. Oh, good. We were at school. We, yeah, this we were all at, at school. school. Okay. Um, and you guys definitely weren't out as a couple. And you had some sort of an interaction. And I don't remember what it was, but it was, you weren't touching or, but there was something about it that looked intimate to me. Mm-hmm. And so Nicolette came and sat back down next to me and I said something like, are you feeling Ben Weber a little bit? And she, and she um, blushed and <laughs> and said something to the effect of, kind of like me some Ben Weber um, but and that was kind of the whole interaction and I could tell that there was something going on underneath that <laughs> oh god that's great um well I think I I think I if I remember correctly I I sort of say the whole like our first night together story on episode two with Tim Manley um and I should just listen to that. Well, yeah, but I, you know, I can, I can re- recount. Do you have a? Is there a specific uh, question or or an angle that that fascinates you uh, in particular? I think one of the things that fascinates me. I don't need. Uh, <sighs> yeah, whatever, man. Whatever it is, I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm here. Here to tell you. I'm just fascinated by what drew you to each other, I think is, is oh. the answer. Oh, I, that's easy. That's an easy one. I think it was, uh, I think it was mutual end of relationship trauma. I think the shared experience of breaking up drew us to each other. And like, it, it, you know, uh, she, she had broken up with her live-in partner. I'd broken up with my live-in partner. And I think I remember on my birthday, I was sitting in my favorite coffee shop in Williamsburg. Um, it must have been like my 27th birthday. It was, no, or maybe 26th birthday. It was a, you know, maybe 26th birthday. 2012. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever. And I wrote her an email saying, hey, like, you know, I know it's like hard, but like, I'm, fe- you know, I'm, 
I'm going through the same thing Mm -hmm. and like, I feel you and like, you know, you're great. And maybe like we should go to, I don't remember exactly what I said, but maybe something about a museum or I'm about to go to the museum. Um, I feel like I had like a lab conference meeting that night too. Like on the day of my birthday, I like went to the museum. I hung out with Rami. Shout out to Rami. Um, yeah, it was great. But, um, yeah, I think that that was the thing. And we, we just sort of like bonded over shared, uh, that's okay. Let's go down here. We'll get you. She, she likes the cushions, which is a, oh. something we're trying to oh. wean her off. No of. licking the cushions. Um, so I, yeah, I think that was, that was sort of the, the, mm. the in. So it is very much. I didn't realize quite how similar the parallel was to what Nicolette drew in Love and Circus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I mean, that is like, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> Love and Circus is exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Which is Nicolette's um, a fan- fantastic one-woman show. Yeah, you can see it. It's coming up in the hot festival, Dixon Place. Yeah. August 7th? 7th. Yeah, the August, Friday. Friday, August 7th. Check it out, friends. Pencil it in. Put it in pen. Heck. Put it in pen. Heck, put it in pen. Yeah, yeah. Spray paint it on your wall. August 7th. I will be in Milwaukee. Well, you'll be at AATE. AATE. Presenting with my colleagues from a nameless <laughs> educational theater organization. Um, that Which is fun. It. I wish I could say it because like, that's, like, that's a brag-worthy thing. Like It's cool to go to a national conference and present your stuff, but... In another life, friends, in another life, or in some other way, we will find the union of of work and art and pleasure. Um, Libby is on the... the <laughs> Libby is, is She's our sound engineer, <laughs> and the Papazan is shifting. As it so often does. Um, I actually, I hate to tell you this, Ben, but it, now that people know that you're going to AATE and they know your name because they listen to your podcast, they could probably... Google it and oh. find out your presentation and thus what sure. nameless theater They could go on my Facebook probably and do that. Like, they can find out. But I just, you know, I want to, I, I don't want to, I don't know. This was advice that I got from my boss. It's like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to have cozy zone. I'm going to be talking about touchy things, you know, not necessarily family-friendly things. How should I, how should I rock? And she said, yeah, just don't. Just don't name it. Just don't name Just it. Just don't name it. Sorry, I've been holding the mic away from my face so I can eat half a cookie. That's fine. You're good. Are you hungry? Do you want to eat that uh, those roasted vegetables? I was actually going to suggest it. I'm starting to smell it. Uh, it's starting to make me hungry. Great. So we're gonna we're gonna take a little nosh break here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna have some delicious roasted vegetables and quinoa that Olivia has prepared. Um, and and we're gonna be back uh, when we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about Bond Street Theater. Sure. We're going to talk about books. Yeah. And and clutter. <laughs> I have a lot to say about all three of those yep. topics. And uh, oh, thank you, Libby. Libby has brought <laughs> us a a weird Kong mutant Kong looking thing. Yeah. It's very cool. Libby is ready. Libby would like, we're going to take a nosh slash play with Libby. Play with Libby. All right. Uh, So stay with us because his own friends uh, in your world. This, this won't be very long. We're going to, we're going to edit it all together. Please stay with us. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. We're back. 
My goodness gracious. Hello. Hello. Delicious quinoa and roasted vegetables. Thank you, Olivia. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'm glad it worked. Uh, we're drinking white wine. We are. I had a cookie. I'm going to have another cookie. The first time, uh, the first chocolate chip cookie I had was dangerously uh, close to Libby's maw. <laughs> she was trying very hard to get it. She failed. It's a raisin one. It's fine. I'll Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, sure there's another chocolate one I'm in sure there. there is. I'll probably eat both. Okay. Mm. <laughs> a lot of real talk in yeah. the break. Um we we um we should go into what this cozy zone looks like exactly. I I'm looking at a shelf filled with books and and vinyl records. Yeah. So, yeah, so this Papazon chair that I'm sitting in is snuggled in a corner between a full-size bookshelf and two half-size bookshelves, both of which are stuffed to brimming, all three of which are stuffed to brimming mm-hmm. with various and sundry books and notebooks. And the one on my right, the tall one, has stuff from my CUNY MA career. Mm. Um, and there are a mix of Joes in my book, so there's a combination of sci-fi and Vonnegut stuff, and some labor and history stuff, and some feminist and sociological, and a lot of fiction. And it's and they're everywhere, and they're exploding. And I'm looking at a great biography of Flannery O'Connor, and I know that there's a great biography of Robert Heinlein next to it, which tells you a lot about my taste. Oh, yeah, <laughs> biographies of great writers. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. This Heinlein biography, it's two volume, and each volume is like 800 pages. Oh, it's my amazing. God. Oh, my God. It's so good. He was in a writer's group. I believe he ran it with L. Ron Hubbard and Isaac Asimov. Whoa. L. Ron. <laughs> the HB. Unbelievable. <clears throat> L. Ron Hubbard. HB. Hubbard. H- HB. HB. Yeah. Hubs. There was a a guy. <laughs> there was a guy I studied abroad with named Hubbard, like Hubbard Peak, maybe, <laughs> like Elrond Hubbard probably, like Elrond Hubbard. Uh, wait, who's H- Hubbard Peak? Hubbard Peak. It, I'm really sorry, everyone. Uh, no, no, no. This is what we do here. Hubbard Peak is the oil peak. It's the it's the um, theory. Hubbard is the person who theorized oh, that we would oil. reach peak oil. Got yeah. it. Um, maybe like that. Um, he was a he was a a zany guy and. Uh, Probably he showed me a world that I would have never seen had I not met him. He's like a a Martha's Vineyard fancy man. Really? Oh yeah. Um, who bow ties and all? Bow ties and all. Like absolutely loved wearing bow ties. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. Thank you. Um, and he loved fun and he loved partying and he was he was considerate. And kind and sensitive um, in in all these unexpected ways, you know, that you, you meet someone from Martha's Vineyard and, you know, I, I have a lot of preconceptions. I, am, I have a lot of, I have an active imagination. Imaginarium. Imaginarium. And, uh, yeah, Hubbard, Hubbard defied these expectations and I, I should uh, reach out to him. Maybe he wants to get cozy. Oh, I, oh my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, 
do you have like like of all of these authors like and do you is there some someone you would want to like go into their cozy zone like or do you have any theories about what Heinlein or uh, Flannery O'Connor's cozy zones might be? I feel like Flannery's O'Con- Flannery O'Connor's was somewhere near her like her home in Savannah, Georgia. Mm. Actually, no, I think I'm lying to you. So she got very ill while she was at college and becoming this aspiring writer. Maybe at college? Someone's going to correct me and say she was out of college at this point. It's all good. But living in the North for sure. And I feel like there are two options for her cozy zone. It could be somewhere up North where she was away from her family and really in this like burgeoning literary scene. But then she got very ill and had to go home. But she went home to this like farm with all these fowl, which is where a lot of her drawings came from. Um you know, in this place that sounds to me, is that me making that? No, I think it's, I think it's me. Um, bends in the, the, the river bends. I think it's, it's better now. Cool. Um, yeah. So this home that sounds to me quite idyllic, but I didn't grow up there. So I feel like she has to have had kind of like a room of one's own style space in that yard or in that, in that home. And the book talks a little bit about a couple of spaces that she wrote about as that space because she still corresponded with all these amazing writers that have since become very famous as she has. Um, I would love to be in her cozy zone. I'm also a little worried it would be church, which would make me uncomfortable. I hear you. That is interesting. I, w- I, I would be very interested in interviewing someone in their church cozy zone. I feel like it would be fascinating. I feel like it would take me a while to get over being slightly uncomfortable. I hear you. I think, yeah, like I think talking about faith with, as someone who does not have faith is dissonant. There's a, it's very difficult. Yeah. It's like, in some ways I can't help but feel like an ethnographer in situations like that. Yeah. Where I'm like, I want to observe what this thing that's happening in you, and it's hard for me to relate to it. But but we all have it, you know what I mean? Like we yeah. all it, like there is belief somewhere else. Um, that's it's just true. it's just not organized around church and f- faith and God. Yeah, something else. And I guess then the work becomes about finding it. Finding yeah, those points of connection. Absolutely. And communi- con- communicating them effectively communication again always for sex and faith all all of the th- all human strange human constructs it's crucial because what else do we have and it's sad that language is so imperfect yeah but it's okay i think that's where a lot of my word obsession comes from i spend a lot of time thinking about was that the right word and it, and it some of it is second guessing but a lot of it is like Words can mean very specific things. Oh, yes. And I would like to know what they mean and be able to employ them. I I feel very close to that. That, like, you know, listen, we have words. We have language. It's far from perfect, but it's really the best we've got. Yeah. So we might as well wield it as effectively as we possibly can. Yeah. Bond Street Theater. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on with them in your life? Um, not much right now, unfortunately. My my phone is is I charging think, poorly. It's I think like, actually Libby has her head on it. Where I guess. All right, it's fine. 
<laughs> Libby, um, you gotta. My phone needs to charge, so you gotta chill out. Libby, I think it's okay. It'll be okay. All right. Um, the Enormous Room by E.E. E. Cummings uh, is a book I'm looking at. It's that's a really weird, good one. Super weird. That's awesome. I'm I'm not gonna take it out right now, but I'm touching it with intention. It's it's prose, which most people don't know E. e. Cummings for. I did not know he did prose. I th- I'm not sure if this is his only prose book. It's the only one I've read. It's it reads like one of his poems, but prose. It's very strange. Um, Bond Street Theater. So Bond Street Theater, I worked for them for three and a half years. And I was very lucky to do so. I started as an unpaid intern, and by the end of it, I was a communications director. Oh, my God. Which sounds like a big rise until you realize that Bond Street Theater revolves around these two amazing artists, Joanna Sherman and Michael McWiggin. Yes. Who, it was Joanna's, Joanna's one of the founding members. Michael was not, but he came on very quickly. And they have through sheer passion and force of will, kept it alive. So I was the third person in that office for three years, three and a half years. That's amazing. It was so, I learned so much. Tell us a little bit about Bond Street Theater for those who might not know. Sure. Bond Street Theater, bondst.org, for those of you who want to look it up, um, is what they call themselves an international theater for development company, theater for social development. So they partner with artists around the world who want to make art. So mostly theater artists, almost entirely theater artists. But like in Afghanistan and Myanmar and Haiti and Guatemala and India and Pakistan and all of these places where what we think of as a theater troupe is not what these people are putting together. These people are just folks who are getting together in much more what we would consider amateur circumstances. Sometimes, not always. The group in Myanmar is super... Do you want to go handle the phone? Oh, uh, I was just shifting, but okay. uh, uh, maybe I'll, I'll just go handle it. I'm sorry for the interruption. All right. All right, Libby. All right, Libs. I'm going to narrate what's happening. So he's taking off his headphones. No, and he... anything, it's just, uh, oh, it's just the phone? I blamed my dog for something that isn't my dog's fault, and I feel like a jerk. Are you sure? Okay. I feel like that's an act of bravery in an increasingly technological world. You know, I, uh, there's such a <clears throat> there's such a struggle of phone etiquette in my life. You know, like. I think ideally a cozy zone is a place where you don't need phones. Yeah. Where it's just you and you and me. And me Libby. and you and Libby. And some dust bunnies. <laughs> Always a dust bunny so in a cozy zone. What uh what what are the the folks up to in Myanmar? So Myanmar, this amazing group Tukuma Kaife, which means literally arts travelers. Uh-huh. Which is amazing. And they put on like fully funded, fully everything productions. Um, and they're great. And the guy who runs it, his name is Thilamin, and he's incredible and super dedicated and knows a lot about theater. And so that's really more of a like artistic partnership. Basically what Bond Street does is they make these contacts with artists around the world and they say, what are you doing? What do you need? What do American funders want to fund? Let's find the middle ground of what we have, what we can do and know about, what you need and what American funders want to fund. So 
in Afghanistan that can look like training theater groups to do plays literally house to house, door to door, market to market about violence against women and voting rights and all of these things, like really doing these very TO based theater of the oppressed based plays and invite audience members to think through social issues in Myanmar. They did, they were really interested in Myanmar in doing um, a servant of two masters. Mm-hmm. Is that the right? It's, yeah. It's a Commedia della Arte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and they really wanted to explore that form and use that form as kind of a way to critique the political situation that exists. So that one looked much more like the artistic collaborations we're used to seeing in New York, where two theater groups get together and they say, we do this, you do that. Let's figure out how we do it together. Um, in Haiti, they were doing basically, um, in Haiti and in the Balkans, they were going into refugee camps, obviously two very different times in the history they were going into refugee camps and just doing circusy. They're, they were founded as an acrobatics theater company that did political street theater, and so they, they're amazing. Michael's an amazing object manipulator and acrobat, and Joanna's an incredible acrobat and a clown. She's one of the best natural clowns I've ever seen, um, and so they were just going into refugee camps and saying, well, "These people need to have some fun, and mm-hmm. let's do a parade and have them make noise and be silly." And what they discovered is that. Then they would do workshops for young people in the camps because, you know, here are a bunch of kids who are doing nothing, so let's do some things with them. And they discovered that a lot of their techniques were actually helping in the trauma process. Like like acrobatics moves that ask you to move your hand across your midline, across the middle of your body. Uh, Your lobes of your brain need to talk to each other to move your hand from right shoulder to left shoulder. And if you're severely traumatized, that's one of the things that isn't happening. The lobes of your brain aren't talking to each other. Jesus. So even just simple movements like that are, are stimulating your brain in ways that if you've grown up in a war-torn area may not may be really valuable. That is crazy. Um, so in the time that I was at Bond Street Theater, they were doing um, a couple of different projects in Afghanistan, one of which was building up local theater companies, and then they partnered with those local theater companies to do voter education plays. So I got to go to Afghanistan and help them develop these voter education plays and train these new burgeoning theater artists, some of whom were not new, but these re-emerging theater artists um, in theater of the oppressed techniques. Um, I also got to go to Guatemala and with a project that I kind of conceived of and funded, helped fund, helped conceive of, and work in an orphanage for young people um, and help them put together an original play that they wanted to present. It was a Christian orphanage, which was an interesting thing for me to navigate, but um, they were going to this big Christian retreat and they wanted to perform something about their lives because the orphanage was for young people who um, had been orphaned because of drugs in some capacity, mm. had been touched by drugs in okay. some capacity. And they wanted to talk about that and this, and what drugs do to their society, which is amazing when you think that this was like six to 14 year olds. Um, and they did this Servant of Two Masters in Myanmar, and they were touring a production about the Bhopal disaster in India. Mm. Um, and there's just this really what is What is the Bhopal disaster? So the Bhopal, um, Bhopal was a chemicals plant. Okay. And, I, um, I, I might have heard of this. Yeah. It's, um, it's not very well known in the West. Okay. But it was an American company, oh a chemical plant, and they were not the security practices, the safety practices were not followed. And so there was essentially an explosion that, um, oh God, that affected the surrounding area and it's still affected and it hasn't ever been cleaned up. 
because they're still arguing years and years later about whose fault it is and whose responsibility it is therefore and all these different things but in the meantime there's literally toxic waste um and the drinking water was unsafe and the drinking water was unsafe by the way for years before because there was security the safety was bad so they were noticing birth defects and all these different things previously but then there was a an explosion um and so kind of a company executive was blamed for it and certainly it was his fault but that's not it's a much bigger picture than this one company executive um and they were touring that with an Indian American theater group. So this American Indian theater group based in New Jersey wanted to do it. And they knew that Bond Street Theater had contacts with social theaters in India because they had done projects in India. And so um, I think Bond Street's great because they really are not wedded to one way of doing things. They meet the needs of wherever they're at, including sometimes the needs of their funders, which is a reality in the work that we do. Absolutely. Um, All the time. Yeah. That is really, I mean, that is truly applied theater yeah like listening to you talk about how you know the neurological benefits of theater the neurological benefits of delight and joy and and acrobatics uh voter improvements like like i hope everyone is listening to this (laughs) and like you know it is so easy to diminish the value of the arts to to pretend that content creation and and art making are frivolous and things that we do outside of you know productive things in society but but unfortunately for you believers of the frivolity of art it is inextricable yeah to our lives like it is crucial so crucial and as you said yeah like it is it is a crucial voice uh, added and it's a crucial perspective added uh to ways of approaching healing of approaching all things it's really it's really key yeah i think i am um, i was very lucky to get into bond street theater when i did and i was so impressed because our afghan partners so our afghan partners were coming off of 3 decades of taliban rule where there was no art they destroyed the murals and the poetry and the tea houses like there was no art there was not a big theater tradition in afghanistan even before this it's so so violent it's oh god why like i i don't know the ideological tenets behind that or is it just to make people suffer they would i'm sure that were you to talk to a member of the taliban there would be something ideological about how it is it promotes moral it, it, amorality in some way. Yeah. Um, but I think it really is to make people suffer and to keep people under control because yeah. artistic spaces tend to be spaces where there's more open flow of ideas. Sure. But what amazed me was that these, my, these folks that I know and I'm still friends with um, and who follow me on Instagram. <laughs> um, Olivia socks, Olivia socks, check her out. It's all pictures of my dog. Um, that they, the fir- like not the first thing, but very quickly after this, the end of, the soft end of this rule, because obviously Afghanistan is not like happy-go-lucky at this point. 
they wanted to make art and they got together in groups and started making art not with no training with no anything and that to me sells so much about the power of art in our society it's like um so i worked in nepal before i worked at bond street theater and nepal had a very large earthquake two very large earthquakes and continues to have well can for a very long time continue to have aftershocks the earth is i mean the earth in nepal is is shooting shooting toward the sky right i mean it's you know it's that isn't i mean the the himalayas are right there right there and that is because of the plates of the earth crashing into each other and going yeah. going heaven's word yep and so. they're continuing to do so yeah and my friend raj kumar sent me a facebook message 2 weeks after the earthquake that said so the ground is still shaking and i have to rebuild my home and my family's home but I also want to get some people together and start doing theater because everybody here is really sad and traumatized and they need something fun and loving and light and something that teaches them about how they can deal with the trauma. Mm. So can you help me do that? And it was an incredible message to receive about it. It was, it reminded me so much of all these Afghan folks I know where like you can't dismiss the power of art because these folks who have been through something that I can't even imagine are turning to art right away as a way to heal and come together and build community and teach important lessons and share knowledge and reconnect. Mm, That is so beautiful. (laughs) Are you going to help him? Oh yeah, definitely. Great. That's great. He wanted me to fly in and I'm not ready to do that just yet. But you uh, got, yeah, you got (laughs) to get married. You got to, you know, take care of, get you all your affairs in order. Yeah. Um, so it makes me think, Olivia, that we dip into the reason we're, we're really here today in the cozy zone, uh, which is always, uh, as you know, I am, I am connected with, uh, an organization called the cozy zone foundation. It's like a mob connection. It's like a mob connection. Um, and it's an, it's like the mob, they have unbelievable resources, um, they have unlimited resources to commission collaborative works of art. Um, and what I like to do is, as a saying thank you for people to invite me into their cozy zones, I like to offer the opportunity to uh, you know, create a commission for the Cozy Zone Foundation um, yeah. with, with the person who invited me very generously into their cozy zone. So the question is, Olivia... Uh, if you and I had to make a collaborative work of art Ugh. with unlimited funds, what would we make? I've been thinking a lot about this. I had a feeling this question was yeah. coming. You were you're privy to the the question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've been thinking about two things, and mm-hmm. I'm interested in you telling me in in your input. Mm-hmm. One is returning to my work with incarcerated young people. Okay. And one is museum education. Okay. And they're disparate. Are they? Totally. Well. I guess, can you can you bring incarcerated young people into a museum? Probably not. No, but I wonder. Can you museumify their incarcerated yeah. experience? Yeah. Okay, so this this is this requires a bit of a discussion about what what is a museum and yeah. what makes a good museum. I I subscribe to this 
this uh, newsletter, this blog called Museum 2.0. I don't read it every week, but there's a there's a museum in Santa Cruz. Is it the Santa Cruz Art Museum? But uh, it's very participatory and very you know conscious of how they are engaging with their audience and uh, you know it, it's not just inert things on a on a shelf with a label you know what i mean okay. like but that and that's what museums are i ann pasternak is the new director of the brooklyn museum and uh, i forget what where she comes from but her name is so familiar Anne Pasternak. I, I remember reading her bio when she was announced and thinking, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And then all of the details flew out yeah, of my head. I don't remember, but y- y- y'all can look it up. But anyway, in a little article that I skimmed, it was, you know, she is saying like her, her mantra is our museum, our museum. Oh. The Brooklyn museum is, is like a cultural hub, which I think is lovely. And it certainly is. I, I love it most of all when it's uh, you know first Saturdays. Yeah. Um, uh, have you seen the Kehinde Wild? Well, Wiley, Kehinde Wiley. Yeah, I loved that. For my uh, my friend surprised me on my birthday with a day of Brooklyn related activities. Oh, that's nice. One of which was that exhibit. That's great. I also really liked it. Um, I heard some interesting critiques about it uh, over the weekend, sort of about you know, his lack of representation with women and just sort of, you know, how that he employs just a lot of uh, studio assistants, you know, to do Mm -hmm. his painting for him. But, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really into it. And it made me, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm into it as a product. I don't know how into it I'd be as a practice. Yeah. Um. I mean, but like, there's all this con- like since the dawn of since the dawn of patronage, there have been those you know Rodin's assistant. He had her one of his assistants who made all his hands. He had her committed to a mental institution. She may or may not have actually been crazy, but oh, he didn't but want her taking credit sure. for her hands. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's just like that's. <sighs> I'm not dismissing it, but yeah. I don't. I don't think it's new, and I think that. Um, divorcing practice from product is never possible but no. sometimes in conversation is a tool yeah yeah i mean it. it's very i i think we both were into it and i'm i don't have a lot of critiques of it but i just think it's interesting to note there's always critiques yeah of stuff out there but okay so i guess i'm i'm sort of coming at the idea that a museum is sort of a problematic space but mm-hmm. n- not dissimilar to uh like in a, a place of incarceration is a problematic space so hearing you talk about it yeah i've clarified my idea oh cool how would you feel about helping me work with young people in various institutions schools prisons um ymca programs just young groups of young people that already exist okay in museumifying the spaces that they're in and helping them think through mm their institution as a museum Mm. as potentially as a performance potentially Mm. as a not a performance how do you feel i feel good i mean i feel i like i like the question of like what can a museum do and Mm -hmm. what is a museum for and interrogating that question sort of separately then helps you 
think about like, well, what is my own space? Like, what if, yeah, like, what if this place was a museum? I, we didn't really get very much into clutter, but a museum is often not cluttered, right? Everything is very intentional. Everything has its place. Everything has its label. Everything is inventoried. You invite people in because all of that is true. Um, and what do you lose when yeah. you, like remove some of the chaos like chaos is productive chaos is good this idea of museum museumifying a place is terribly exciting to me really i, I like it a lot um yeah that's really lovely what populations would you be interested in working with well so you said young people but that's me so right um yeah man let's do it let's do young people i'm into it I think it's I think it's really important because it's like museums also aren't for like they're not for teens, yeah. right? Museums are either for old people or like little ones who like are bust there on a school trip. Like they never really took us to museums. They didn't take us to museums in high school. They take you to museums in high school? I feel like every I feel like I went to a couple museum trips in high school and all of them were like, Well, we have three more days of the school year and no lesson plans. Right. So we're just gonna go to this museum and let you loose. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's not I don't know, maybe college if you go that way, but uh, you know, mm. not necessarily. Yeah, college I think it's good for college kids, but like yeah. teens I don't know. And there's all there's I uh, Nicolette used to work for Arts Connection mm -hmm. and, you know, worked with the teens there. And, like, that, it just seems really cool. And you you, you work with middle school. I work with high school. High school, okay. So, I don't know. Like, and I don't work with a lot of high school. I work with, like, little tiny people. Well, yeah, no. Uh, I work with middle schoolers and grade schoolers closely. And then my favorite, like, age group is the little bitties, like, pre-k i like those guys I'm but i'm afraid i'm gonna step on them no no they're fine they, they scoot <laughs> out of the way they're fine <laughs> um but yeah i don't know they're like we society like hates teens or there's so much there's like it's problem teens are problematic insofar as museums are problematic and prisons yeah. are problematic and so if we like you know mash them all together in this discourse there it could be better i think i i like for some reason i'm drawn to teens specifically about this museumifying things yeah. um and because that is like that's what we want to know we want to know what teens are into you know like yeah. the whole world is looking to them to be influenced and we're trying to influence them but they know and they they are the true tastemakers yeah. of our age that's true so this idea of, of museumifying. Yeah. I think it's also a really interesting thing to then, I, I would love your feedback, to then ask them to give tours of their museum oh, to... Yeah. yeah, be docents. Yeah. Yeah, to all sorts of people. Yeah, to everybody. Because I feel like um, we're inviting them to have some agency. Yeah. We're inviting them to take a lot of ownership. Yeah. Or that would be, rather, that would be inviting them to take a lot of ownership. And I also feel like working with teens every day, and I would include middle schoolers in this, actually, because, well, in New York, at least. They're teenagers. They're teenagers. Sometimes. Well, and they often act. They, especially in New York. They're precocious. Yeah. 
and grow up fast. Things are happening younger and younger in their yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, is that they don't often get to define the boundaries of a space. Mm. And so putting them in a position to do so with the folks who usually define the boundaries interests me. That's really nice. I mean, you know I'm into d- delineating space boundaries and and creating sanctified spaces. Yeah. I'm I need to mention your New Jersey wine glass. <laughs> We didn't mention it before, but we're, the white wine is being drunk out of this like crazy peacock feather, green metallic chalice. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, Madeline Rose Mayer Persigian, I'm name dropping. What a great friend! If you need a friend and a fantastic gift giver, mm. and a f- an amazing director. Why are they called New Jersey wine glasses? I call them that because they remind me of New Jersey. I feel like um, these would be very at home if I had big hair and bigger heels. So they're tacky. They're not. That's the thing. A little tacky. They're a little tacky, but I think they work in small doses. They they become the accent piece. Got it. I think they're, I mean, they're super fun, but they're tacky. Yeah, they're tacky in the right way. Yeah. They're tacky the way Waffle House is tacky. Oh, man. Is Waffle House tacky? No. Uh, the color scheme. Ta- oh, that place is crazy. It's so good. Scattered, smothered, covered, and diced. How do you like your hash browns? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. They, um, <laughs> I, I have to tell this story just because it came up, but and I got to get my buddy Ben Wellington to tell it on the record, but we went to a Waffle House uh, gosh, I don't know, some southern place at where they are. You know, mm-hmm. we like you drive south and you wait for the Waffle Houses to begin, right? Oh, so good. Usually around D.C. Yeah, right, exactly. So it must have been south of Virginia or something like that. We were going to North Carolina um, for, for, a, for a comedy festival, the, the Dirty South Comedy Festival. Cool. Yeah, in it? college. It was great. Um, we went, I went, I think, every year. Yeah, we did all these festivals. It was so fun. But we went to a Waffle House, and they we ordered a bunch of stuff, and they bring each thing out on a, its own plate. Yeah. And every plate seemed to be the hottest plate. <laughs> and so our poor waitress would just be, like, screaming in pain, bringing us all of our food. Aww. And she was like, oh, my God, it's so hot. <laughs> anyway, Ben Wellington, you got you to gotta tell that story proper. I got to gotta find you. That's amazing. Got to take me to your cozy zone. He, ben Wellington is the founder of my improv group. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Danger Box. Hashtag Danger, Danger. Box. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've never even tried that. There's a kid. He's not a kid. He's a young man. Jason Boxer is now the, like, I think he's the organizer of Danger Box. Okay. Jason Boxer. Is this an NYU-based NYU improv group? NYU-based improv group. Um, he, I think he studies ed theater. Which is crazy. Nice. And like he said, he was going to email me to like chat about what that is. And I was like, sweet. Yeah, do it. But we haven't we haven't connected yet. But someday. So what I, I think we have our concept. I, I'm wor- I just want to check in that it's not too much mine and it feels like you can have ownership. ownership. I, I want to, I mean, like I would want to deal with all of the museumifying. Like that verb feels very, I, I feel very close to that okay. concept and that verb. 
and I, it's not too much yours. Okay. Um, I'm. I guess I want to like I like I like to think of the name I yeah. not by myself but like you know museumify is a little too clunky yeah so what is gallery uh, but if I ooh, if I had a million dollars um a hammer if I had a hammer museum if I yeah museum. Ourzium. Oh, Ourzium, I liked. Yeah. Myzium works a little better, but it's Myzium, but it's super corny. That sounds also a little bit like a drug you take if you have IBS. Myzium, yeah. How, yeah. Myzium, you might experience dry eyes. <laughs> I imagine IBS drugs dry your eyes out because you're drying out your anus and well, or your your bowels. No, yeah. Or they're just making them not eye. Taking yeah. the eye out of eye. I imagine there has to be some drying, probably some ibuprofen. Yeah. All right, we're getting off track. Well, it's all part of it. <laughs> um, what a docent is also a terrible word that I don't like. Gallery is a good word. Gallery is a good word. Gallery, gallery, gallery. Galleria is also a good word. It's gallery. a mall word. Galleria, it is is a mall word. Allery? Mm. <laughs> I always go for the pun. <laughs> Me too. I, I start with the pun. <laughs> Allery is pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is Teen Allery. Uh, <laughs> once and for Allery. Once and for Allery, I like. Um, teen Zium. Teen Zium. No, definitely not. Life ZM? No. Uh, it uh, it seems like I I don't know if that'll sir like it can't be too cute. It has to That's be like true. super cool. Um like cigarette ZM. Yeah. Drake concert ZM. <laughs> um uh some museum, the museum. We're going to the museum. What do you do? You go to the gift shop, you go to the writing on the wall, the placard, the 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 book of the show. Yeah. And you Oh god. You Mu- see, smell, hear, taste. I mean, you do all of that. You those. have the senses. Maybe not taste. Museum, museum. Museum, 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 museum. Um, you make it museum more, but that make doesn't... make the museum uh, exhibit. Ooh, exhibit is a good word. It's got that X in there. Yeah, exhibit. Okay. Um, so exhibit A, social justice. Exhibit T for exhibit T. Exhibit T. <laughs> Oh, sweet Jesus. Exhibit Z. <laughs> the last word on Museum Education. Oh, yeah. And then you read Dr. Exhibit. Oh, exhibit T. Exhibit. Eggs. Exhibit. Exhibit. Exhibition. Huh. Exhibitionist. I kind of like that exhibitionist it's sexy it is sexy yeah which is unfortunately uh, teens are sexy yeah 
way uh, something like we just did a survey and something like 65 percent of our young people are losing their virginity under the age of 14 this is the demographic of the nonprofit that i work with in harlem okay speaking of sexy teens sexy teens exhibition exhibitionist exhibitionism make my exhibitionism <laughs> okay maybe i will it, it sounds a little needy yeah it's like oh okay <laughs> what, what Go on, what's going on with your exhibitionism why i have to make it yeah. with what tape oh uh, man unapologetic exhibitionism too 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 much all right uh, but too much so ec- exhibit exhibit ex- exhibition exhibitionist ex Exhibish in ex exhibit. Ex- I'm sorry, it's really fascinating to watch you roll this word around in your mouth. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. No, it, I mean we're right on it. We're right yeah. in there. Um so we're leading them around. We're so we're the so the teens so some some existing group of teens is charged with creating a museum in their in the space like sort of in the quotidian space that they occupy. Yeah. Um transform museum. Tr- yeah. Transform is it? A bit no, transform transformation. Pro exhibit. <laughs> transform ambition is work. Transform museum is good. It's a little Transform museum is I, I like that actually best of all, but I don't think it's right. Um, create a museum, transform, create. Mu museum, Museum-ate? new museum is so brilliant. Yeah, new museum is a great name for a museum. Yeah. That's probably the best one in the city. Yeah. Except for Museum of Sex is pretty good. It's very yeah, on the nose. Yeah, Museum of Sex is but too on the nose. Yeah. Mo math. <laughs> Mo problems. Mo math, Mo problems. Well, the museum of math. Yeah. Mo math. Apparently, there's a museum of elevators, elevators somewhere in Queens. Really? I really want to go. Yeah. Going up. Um. There's something about eight, like the the suffix of create that I'm drawn to. Okay. Museum eight doesn't work, obviously. Right. Can you museum making museum into a verb? Have you museums today? Muse the great museuming. Like Museumify. Museumed. The great museuming is pretty good. The great. You think it's very silly. Yeah. Hello. So the great museuming. Or. Museumish. Museumizzle. Museizzle. Oh my god. Oh my god! <laughs> we want to make it relevant. That's not how young people oh my talk. God, no way. That's how people think young people talk. They probably did talk like that for a moment yeah. when, like, Snoop just did that shit. Yeah. Snoop Dizzle, Snoop yeah. Lion. Snoop. And now everything is yes. Oh, I love that. You have to drop your jaw like you're a snake eating a mouse. I love that. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, I love that so much. I think that I'm I'm in. I'm all for it. Yeah? Yes, ZM. Yes, ZM is good. Hmm. Not no ZM. Yes, ZM. Hmm. I think I like too many ideas. Teen ZM. It's horrible. Yes, ZM. Mew. Muse. Museum. New museum. I think there's something in the in the like double oo sound. Yeah. New museum. What's a what's an oo what's a good oo sound? Youth. Youth youth museum. The T H The U Museum. I like the U Museum. U Museum's not bad. Yeah, and it can be plural. U Museum. I like you museum. You museum. No, you do it. It's a little funny. Not very funny. No, but not and not like not precious. No. A little bit. You museum. As long as we spell out Y-O-U. Yeah, least. Y-O-U museum. Yeah. You museum. Yeah. Great. Done. Whew. That's always the most terrifying because you're just like, we won't come up with anything. We're always just like, buh. Butter goat, <laughs> butter goats, butter goat terrorist, butter goat. Ter- this is brainstorming. Yeah. Previous ideas. Butter goat terrorist. We weren't. I. This was anyway. Seemed to have offended you. No, I'm sorry. Butter goat. Butter terrorist. goat. Uh, door, door taste. Yeah. Door taster. Door taste. Door taste. Org. Door tater. Door tater. Yeah. Um, but, uh, see, that's my problem is I turn everything into, it's not a problem. What I do is I try museum. to turn everything into a word game. You museum. You museum. Better. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm trying to think of all the places that can be a space for you museum. And I'm thinking about so many places. All, I mean, classrooms. Yes. Oh. And any place that young people gather for a long period of time. I'm thinking about like pl- sp- foster homes, those big, like. Oh shit! Yeah, like it, some of it might be too intense. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we have all the money. It's yeah. just, it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of oversight. You know, like mm-hmm. someone's gonna have to manage all of the people that we hire with all this money. Yeah, I guess we could hire good people, but eesh. we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna have to. Yeah, but I think it's our ass. You know, if it's yeah. Well, one of the things that. Um, I think really works well is when you send somebody in to do work in any of those spaces, uh, those spaces that can be really fraught. If you send in someone who's a mental health specialist, whose job isn't any of the art, but is just to be a mental health specialist in the room. If Mm. someone happens to need one, that is nice. Um, And if we have all the money, yeah, we'll hire uh, plenty of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. We have to hire plenty of amazing people. Yeah. A lot of amazing. You museum. Yeah. Very good. That's really, this is like exciting. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, me too. It's very good. My, I, I recorded an episode with my dad, uh, actually before the one right before this one. Awesome. Hi dad. Yeah. And he was very resistant to the, the exercise of doing this. Really? Yeah. He was like, I I don't know. know." But we came up with something good and they liked it, you know, at the end. Um, he challenged me as like, well, why? Why do you have to have? Why does it have to be a collaborative project? Why can't it just be 
You. It would be so sweet if you said, because I said so. I didn't say that. How, did he say that to you growing up? No. Oh. Not really. Then it's less sweet. Right, yeah. It wasn't It wasn't that kind of, yeah. It wasn't that kind of dad. He didn't, he wasn't a big rule dad. Had a rule mom. Rule mom and. Sort of. But I was so good. I, I didn't need rules. I loved rules anyway. Intrinsically. My parents love rules. Boundaries. Boundaries in space. <clears throat> yeah. We, we didn't really, that wasn't part of the rules. But it is now. Do you still love rules? No. But I do love boundaries and like frames and structure. But I don't love rules, no. Oh man, there's there's so many things I want to share with you and to talk about with you. Well, uh, when when did that change? When did you notice that shift between rules and structure? Like like a month ago. <laughs> okay. I think I probably still am pretty into the rules. But like, you know, I'm like, I'll lean on the subway doors, you know. But not cross between the cars. No. Because that's that's the boundary. <laughs> right. That's between the like, No, I I'll hold the door with my bag. Oh, definitely. Sure. Oh, yeah. Especially for, yeah, because, you know, fuck the MTA. Yeah. But, yeah, no, definitely. Well, that that, that Im- imperils myself, across, you know, going between cars. It's scary. Someone's probably peeing there anyway. I know somebody who is probably <clears throat> peeing there. Yeah. Right now? Not right now. He moved away from New York, but he definitely peed there a lot. Oh, yeah. It's a, actually, I mean, if you got to do it, it's a pretty good. Yeah, not in the train. No. People do that every day. Can you imagine being like a, like a custodian, janitor, a cleaner of the fucking MTA trains? Oh, my gosh. Like, how many dead bodies a day? Like, do you think they, like, do you think it's, like... A week? I think they think it's more in the winter. Honestly, oh, it's probably God, it's got to so be sad. more in the winter. Oh, that's so sad. And I don't know. I like now. I want to read a book or, or interview a person, or just talk uh, to about but, it. Yeah, just talk to somebody because it's like yeah. Because you must see a lot of the like run of the mill gross stuff that we all expect, the, like bodily fluids yes, and all like, the bodily sticky fluids. coke spills. Yeah, well, that's okay. Food. <sighs> But it's it's gross. But like I, I'd much rather clean up oh, yeah. spilled coke than human excrement. Yeah, for sure. God, I don't want to do that. But they and have fingernails from people who. Oh, fingernails. please! <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate that. Please don't do it if do, you're within the sound of our voices. Don't do it now. Stop it now. <laughs> I don't want you clipping your nails while you listen to Cozy Zone. That is a rule. New rule. What if it's someone's cozy zone? As Bill Maher said, I guess I can't really control <laughs> what people do. And if you thank you for listening, but ugh, just it just it uh, the it it resonates to my core. Yeah, that I can't even do it. Uh no, d- please don't try. But it's it the click, and it's just like fuck. It's and what are you thinking? Like it's gonna fly everywhere. It's gonna fly into my soup. I don't even have soup, but, but it's going to... coffee? My coffee. Your eye? My eye. Yeah. My mouth. Ugh. Ugh. Um, I like even... I. What is the grossest thing... Uh, you were about to say something, but I'm going to ask you. What is the grossest thing you've seen in New York? In New York? Yeah. Like a New York City gross. 
a pile of human excrement on my subway stairs that everybody was walking like what was gross about it was that everybody it was on the subway stairs coming up from the the station where i now li- where i live and everybody nobody acknowledged it nobody made a face or a voice or like a but everybody just silently skirted it and and then continued walking and that to me that acceptance was what part of what made it unacceptable the fact that it was a pile of human excrement and i could tell that it was human made it doubly unacceptable Ugh. and did it have like a piece of toilet paper like draped on top of it as they do sometimes no there was none of that courtesy um and i guess kind of what made it triply unacceptable was now now my subway station always smells like human excrement and i to you yeah or uh, always i actually didn't find that when i was emerging oh thank god well but I think it's probably locked in your mind. Yeah, I always smell it walking up the stairs. I mean, I saw a smear of human excrement at the Second Avenue F uh, uh, when I first like my moved into my first New York apartment. Not when I first moved to New York, but like maybe it was my freshman or sophomore year, and like I'll never forget that. Was that the grossest thing you've seen? No, I think I th- I would say like for some reason the like the image that like really sticks in my mind is like disgusting is like on like pristine sort of North of grand central, like fifties, like Madison Avenue area, uh, pristine street. There's just this huge vomit, uh, like puddle, vomit puddle. And there are all these pigeons around it eating the, oh. eating the vomit. And I was just like, fuck this. Yeah. That is gross. Pigeons make it bad. Oh, yeah. Don't eat that. Who knows what that is? Uh, Pigeons eating chicken is always fucked up. Yeah, gross. Um, There was a, a pile of shit riding the L train that people yeah. were pretty like into. Like It was not gross, but people were like, yeah, look at that pile of shit. I don't, I just. Bite a, bite a drink. <laughs> Please don't. It's not an emoji. No. It's an actual pile of shit. It's an actual shit. pile of shit. Well, well played. I, I like, I think it's really things that should be inside your body that can get me sick or anybody around them sick. That's everything, though. Everything can get you sick. Yeah, but like the human blood, whenever I see blood anywhere, it grosses me out. Yeah. Do you know that hepatitis C can live in dried blood the minute that shit gets wet? Is that the worst hepatitis? I, d- uh, I didn't know that. I think so. I don't know if there's Ebola a- can't, which e- is great. HIV also can't. Right. But but like there are things that can live. Sorry, this is gross. But like there are things that can live in dried blood, dry blood, and as soon as it gets wet and on your person, then all of a sudden it's your disease problem. Yeah. Hi, Libby. Libby um is sick of this conversation and wants to yeah. play with a rope. <laughs> um. What else? What else, Olivia? What else? I I. Oh my! Oh oh, that was bad. Was it bad? No, it's fine. It's a um, very sturdy uh, mixer. Excellent. Um, we didn't really talk about clutter. Your home doesn't have a ton of it. No, we're working on it. We're really working through it. I just wanted to. I just wanted to say that dealing with stuff and organizing is it like feels like a lifelong process. Oh God. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned that like you always sort of avoid 
dealing with your books when you have your cleaning days. And I wonder if you like, like, what would that, what would that be? Dealing with them, organizing them, getting rid of ones you don't want. Are there ones you don't want? There aren't really ones. So there are ones I don't read frequently. But the way I get rid of books is I give them to people. Yeah, that, that's good. Um, so the books that are in my apartment are ones that I didn't give away in my last move and that haven't found their way to a new person who is in the past year and a half, two years. Um, so I think dealing with them would really mean organizing them and figuring out how many really don't fit on the bookshelves we had, which is probably about a mid-sized bookshelf full and then getting a mid-sized bookshelf to put them in. Mm. All right. But uh, but you're happy having them all here? I know where they all are. Yeah. I read them. All right. Joe um, Joe makes fun of me because frequently when he comes to bed, if I've gone to bed first, he has to remove a book from where I have fallen asleep with it next to my body. That's so wonderful. <laughs> and uh. that of your Joe. He always finds out the hard way by sitting on it. <laughs> it's just a book. Yeah. No Kindle for you? I have a Kindle oh. that I use when I travel, but oh, I nice. can't I don't bring it on the subway. Yeah. And I and that means that I and I also um I showed you before my stack of two, three, four, five, six, seven library books. Oh yeah. So library Kindle is possible but is more challenging to figure out and I haven't taken the time to do it. Yeah, I have no idea. I hear you can do it. Yeah, I know. But you don't like to be seen with your Kindle is what I'm hearing. I like to travel with my Kindle when it is impractical to travel with the number of books I would want to read. Right. Libby is really checking out my my <laughs> stank feet. She probably smells kitty cats. It tickles. Yeah, she probably does. Are you a Kindle or are you a Kindle no, person? No. I I don't read very much. I got to read more. Why? Why do you gotta? I don't know. It feels like that's where all the knowledge lives. It also lives on the internet. Yeah, but I don't like, I hate the internet. Then you should read more. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those goals. Yeah. Um. So we end Cozy Zone. There is a ritual for ending, at least, that yes. is, I'm devising. So you, if you have any questions for me, any final a lot of questions for you but i'm gonna start oh my god can i, can I just have one is anything one, anything one you want okay it's a two-parter i'm ready what were you hoping to gain out of starting this artistic and creative thing that you're doing mm. and what are you finding that you are gaining whether it's what you hoped and expected or something completely different what i hoped to gain was more knowledge about my own relationship to cozy zones. Um, my own sort of quest of feeling good in this fucked up town. You know, New York City is the worst. But it's also the best. But fuck, man. There's human shit smeared <laughs> on, like, the plate. Like, it's like, okay, like, there's mass transit, you know, you can go anywhere you want. There's like unbelievable networks of of public transit and 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 ways to get there, you know, steps from your home. But those 
all of those modes of transit are often covered in vomit and piss and shit because there are millions of people yeah. who, you know, go through it and and the odds are likely that shit's going to be fucked up if there's so many people in this tight space, you know. And it's so busy and there's a lot of negative energy. Uh, my buddy Max and I got together last night and uh, we, we were juggling. We were walk juggling. Awesome. And Foreman Mullet? No, uh, another Max. Another juggling Max? Another juggling Max. Your life is so charmed. Uh, it's the truth. This is the truth. And this that that goes into part two of your question. Um, but part one is that people were mean. People were like saying, oh, you're going to drop it. Like people were heckling us. While we're, oh, yeah. And like right by my neighborhood. And like that's fine. Like, you know, people have a bunch of Michigas and they have issues and they have hate in their heart, which I, you know, totally. Yes, it's fucked up out there, you know. Who knows what light your life is? Who knows what your experiences are? It's okay to have some negativity. It's understandable. But there's also this need to like protect yourself from that. And uh so so I I have like a big central question of like how can I feel better yeah in my own skin and perhaps by seeking out where people feel good in their own skin, I can learn something from that. Um, and what have I learned from doing it? What have I discovered? Um, uh, I get, I'm not exactly sure. I think it might be too soon to tell. Right. But uh, I do have a charmed life. I do have uh, a really, really gorgeous community of friends and loved ones who are willing to invite me into a very vulnerable place. Like it's a a pretty big ask that I, that cozy zone is, you know, like, yeah, take me to the place where like you are chilling, you know, where you don't let mo like where you go to get away from it all. (laughs) Libby, Libby We're going to have a little Libby, audio i don't think she's gonna talk into the mic she's not very vocal yeah that's fine oh she's cute though oh oh good night (laughs) (laughs) dogs are so cute she's looking at us with those eyes that mean you haven't pet me in hours oh libby that's not true listening audience no it's incorrect no we've been petting her all the live long day um yeah i don't know uh but so this is really exciting, but so Time Out New York wrote a little blurb about Figment. Yeah. And they were like, uh, the, the gist of it is, uh, oh, there's a come see all sorts of multidisciplinary interactive projects. There's 300 of them to include this uh, roving uh, theater performance on Le Velo Rouge. I want to say, is, it, is that's that Bond, Bond Street? Street? So that's right. So it's Bond Street yeah. and... I rode that thing in the Pride Parade. Le Velo Rouge. So they mentioned Le Velo Rouge. The red bike, yeah. The red bike. And be on a weekly podcast, Cozy Zone, with comedian Ben Weber in the in the blurb. That's incredible. In the blurb in Time on New York. It was, yeah, Bond Street and Ben Weber. So here we go. This is This is all... And so, okay, so then there's always these beautiful synchronicities. That's that's what it oh is. Oh, my God. You should have Michael and Joanna and on the Velo. I don't know if the Velo is just their cozy I'm going to find them. 
but so it's hard that's a huge red bike you'll it's yeah, a yeah tricycle totally and so every thing. year i've done like some smash libby. type thing libby get out sorry no it's okay libby what are you doing is she playing the saxophone yeah totally um uh i've been like stationed and doing smash type stuff so i've been like toiling yeah. And now I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to bring my mics and walk around and enjoy the goddamn festival. That sounds awesome. And meet strangers. That's what I'm doing tomorrow. Figment? Figment is tomorrow. Really? Yeah. That's what I should do with my friend. I uh, didn't realize it was tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow and Sunday. Done. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then you'll be a you'll be Figment famous cuz you'll, I mean, this is in the can. It'll be coming out soon. Nice. My dad's I'm going to release like for Father's Day. Surprise. Yay, that's so sweet. Yeah. Can I ask you a secondary question? Yep. What are you interested in reading? You say you want to read more. What are you in- Joe is home. Joe. Like, everyone Joe. Yeah. Joe is home. Yeah, with his, Joe. With his bicycle. Bike. Bike and groceries of beer. Um I think I don't know, I want to read like the the everything. Yeah. Yeah, I would love I've never read Dune. Really? Yeah. Me neither. We oh. should read Dune together. Yeah. I don't know how we'd do that together. It's hard to read together. But I, I have a book time. club, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah. Okay. So we end we end Cozy Zone. Are you are you good? I'm good. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Mark uh, Marin? That's a Mark Marin, yeah. I stole. But you good? It's an homage. An homage. Joe. Joe, say something. Hi. Yes. <laughs> Classic. I'm marrying that man in 99 days. Uh, 99 days. Yes. It's 98 now. Oh, shit. Oh, no, it's no. No, it's not. <laughs> Still 99. Um, we, we, end, we end Cozy Zone by singing. Okay. Um, I wonder if we have a little ode to, ode to Joe. Yeah. No. You just have to take it, man. You don't you don't have to do anything. You just have to enjoy. Joe. So are we singing? Handsome Joe. It's just we make up a song. Yeah. Handsome Joe with his short, short pants. Short, short pants. So we yeah, well so that was a little intro. So we we gotta find find yeah. our groove. Joe 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 Joe, 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 handsome Joe, 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 handsome Joe, 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 handsome Joe, Joe, yo, handsome Joe, 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 he has short, short pants and rolls them up, rolls them up to let the world see his handsome legs. Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. Joe, 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 Liberty Bell the dog. With her nose and her tail and her lack of a uterus. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Ben. This is great. This is great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben and Libby and recent edition Joe. Uh, Joe, we've been doing this for over two hours. <laughs> over two hours. Um, yeah. Uh, 
uh, thanks, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, yeah, see you at Figment. We are intimately finding our peaceful, cozy zone. And then he interviews friends. It's awkward and then it's cozy zone. Occasionally it's a lovely thing to be nosy in somebody's cozy zone. So please snuggle up sweet. A beautiful thing.